When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome back to the Yahoo Sports Hockey Podcast. Justin Cuthbert joined alongside unabashed stock shorter Julian McKenzie. Tiss, tiss, my friend. What are you doing to the economy? It's not my fault. What am I doing to the economy? Me? You're putting this on me? Excuse me? GameStop? It's not on me. I don't know anything about stocks. It's not on oh, me. You're getting bailed out by Robin Hood. Just admit it. Just wow. admit it. Wow. You know who I? You know who we should be interrogating about this right now? We should be talking to Ja Rule about this. Who cares about who Ja Rule thinks about a time like this? I care about what Ja Rule thinks about Robin Hood stocks at a time like this. Why are people looking at me? I didn't do anything. There's nothing <laughs> ja, on me. Justin ja Cuthbert coming in with interrogating questions in the early hours of the morning on the Yahoo Sports podcast. Incredible. I, I'm just the moron that got dogecoin at about seven cents and is just wanting to take it out on someone so uh you're so you're the sorry. only one in my line of fire today julian so i had to go after you unfortunate someone who's playing the stock market better than me unfortunate and you don't even know how well i'm playing the stock market if at all Accusations. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just assuming just assuming okay let's get to it a big week no shortage of headlines in the nhl uh canucks back from the dead caps still haven't lost in regulation we had travis konechny healthy scratched by alan vino we also have marco rossi returning home to austria due to covid19 complications that's not a good one obviously uh but let's let those ones simmer a little bit maybe for another week and tackle the major major news to come out of the last few days prime being jim rutherford walking away from his post with the pittsburgh penguins it was truly a boomer bust tenure with Jim Rutherford. I mean, he he stepped in, made all of his moves. They all backfired immediately. And then his next set of moves, pretty much everything worked out beautifully. He won two Stanley Cups with Mike Sullivan as the head coach. And obviously, Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin and Phil Kessel and Chris Letang, Matt Murray and Marc-Andre Fleury. It all came together in those early years. Uh, and his activity hasn't slowed down since, but the winning has slowed down for the Pittsburgh Penguins, who just haven't had a very good run of late. Now, that's not why Jim Rutherford walked away. It's not for health reasons. It's not for any reasons other than uh, I guess that was the right decision for him at the time. And I don't think we'll ever know exactly what happened. There are some rumors, obviously. Uh, but what do you make of the news? What happened? His legacy uh, encapsulated all for us, Julian. Man, I'm 
shocked. I'm surprised that he would step away from the Pittsburgh Penguins. I understand their cup window is 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 closing a bit. It's not it's nowhere near as open as a Vegas or a Tampa Bay or a Colorado, but this Pittsburgh Penguins team, I mean, as long as you have Sidney Crosby and you have Evgeny Malkin, you're still a team to be feared. And yeah, you're right. There are some rumors out there about his departure. I'm I'm going to try to not get into them, but I can't help but feel that there had to be some kind of disagreement in the background that ultimately led to him leaving. He could have easily said it was health reasons uh, considering his age or anything like that, or considering what's going on with COVID-19, obviously with what's been going on over the last year or so, but they, the team went out of their way to say that it's not that. So we're left to speculate about what it possibly could all mean. But I mean, the fact that, you know what, if, if this is truly the end for Jim Rutherford, and I'm not necessarily convinced that it is, this is a guy who you mentioned he won back-to-back Stanley Cups. He's the only general manager in the salary cap era to win back-to-back Stanley Cups, which is incredibly hard to do. Uh, just period, right? Especially in the NHL with the way parity works. So this is a, and also not to mention the fact he also won a Stanley Cup as a general manager of the Carolina Hurricanes right. the first year after the like the first year after the the major lockout we think of, right? Like this is a guy who uh, is a hockey lifer one of the better general managers of the modern era and again if this truly is the end for him his his legacy is set he's a he's a winner uh i i'm not convinced it is the end for him but i am still quite shocked that uh he decided to step away when he did yeah you're right about the legacy being set i mean third stanley cup obviously his second and third coming with the pittsburgh penguins uh, and a Hall of Famer and all that. I mean, he could walk away and not have to look back because he left no stone unturned in his hockey career. And and obviously, he's accomplished everything that you can accomplish, uh, unless you want to say, well, he hasn't won his fourth Stanley Cup. But that would simply be nitpicking. He's done it all. Uh, and the thing about Rutherford was that, and Pittsburgh, is that he was just the perfect man for the job at the time. He wasn't a guy at his age, you know, 65, when he, I think, when he got the job. He wasn't working for you know, his next job. He was working totally for the job that he was in right there, which allowed him to be aggressive. He didn't have to pull any punches. He could go out and make as many moves as possible. He's a guy who traded and traded for the same player multiple times. Like he did that about 10 times where he would acquire a guy, trade him or, or trade a guy and then reacquire him. Like he, he did things a lot differently and you could only do that. However, for for so long. So I I don't know if he reached, I mean, it's pretty clear that Pittsburgh didn't want him to go. Um, but he he was reaching the end in terms of the way he was operating. Like, you can't do that forever. It's not that he's burning bridges or anything, but he was just, you know, he was operating under this the pretense that it was com- it was going to come to an end at some point. And I think he saw that finish line, which was the end of the Sidney Crosby of Genie Malconero, which we can get into a little bit. But he was operating as if it was his last job. And that's how a team had to operate when you have two stars who are a decade in their, into their careers. That's when Rutherford came in, when Crosby and Malkin were teammates for a decade. And you had to extract the most out of it. They had only won one Stanley Cup at that point, And you had to get more. And he went out and did many things. <laughs> Quite a few trades, coaching changes, and the like. Everything. He did it all to get a better roster in front of him. Uh, and, and it worked. Um, now... You didn't want to speculate on what was potentially the reason for the end, but there has been some reports that Chris Letang uh, was being shopped and ownership decided to step in and didn't want him to make that last, maybe desperate attempt 
uh, to improve the roster or it changed the composition of the roster entirely only seven games into the season. So I think that is something to note. I think that there probably is a little bit of validity to that, that Rutherford was losing maybe full autonomy and that's why he decided to step away. Uh, but the way they were operating, he needed full autonomy if they were going to be successful because that's just the way they have been operating for many seasons. If you take that away from him, I'm not sure it was going to work. So maybe it's good that this happened. Maybe it's good that they didn't Chris, uh, trade Chris Letang. Um, but nothing can soil or spoil uh, Jim Rutherford's legacy. He's he's one of the best to do it in recent seasons for sure, and, and no one can take those two cups away from him. I agree. And and, and because of – and again, I mean, I, I'm trying to not step into it that much, but you did acknowledge the the rumor that Chris Letang – uh, the fact that Jim Rutherford may or may not be trying me. to trade him, that's fine. But in a way, that kind of leads me to think that he definitely can't be done in some kind of front office capacity at the National Hockey League level. I feel if he genuinely wanted to sit out and, and take himself out of it, he likely would have done so in the offseason and said, you know what, enough's enough. The fact that he left when he did um, – and that just leads you to believe there's like, you know what, like with the situation in Pittsburgh, it's at its end for me. I have to leave pretty much abruptly. Uh, this is a guy who pretty much up until like the last little bit, uh, pretty much uh, last bit of his tenure in Pittsburgh. You know, I think he, he managed to get Yannick Weber in. And then not too long after everyone in Pittsburgh realized that he was leaving. This is a guy who was yeah. consistently making moves. I'm not convinced that he's done. And the National Hockey League, whether as a GM or whether some other team decides to take him on as an advisor, he'll still be around. And, you know, I, I guess maybe he didn't necessarily just with what went on in Pittsburgh. I can't help but think that he just thought, you know what, with the way that things are going, if there's going to be this interference, I can't handle this anymore. I think yeah, I think you're right. I think he needs to be in a situation where he can be in full autonomy and he's able to take control of the franchise. I'm not sure where that will be now, but he's yeah. not done. He's not done as far as I'm concerned. No, I mean, I I have trouble believing that he's going to get full autonomy again. I mean, we're 70 plus here. Uh, there's only so many jobs. There's only so many owners and, you know, executive teams that want someone like Rutherford. And there's uh, and there's to be, you know, operating the way he did. But there's only, only so many opportunities where that would actually work. And I think, as I mentioned, sort of Pittsburgh was perfect for that. But it is fascinating because Pittsburgh didn't want him to leave. As much as they may have blocked him from trading Chris Letang or something, they didn't want him to leave. And I think that's why, the reason why is because they're not ready for this inevitable transfer of power. You know, now, because Rutherford is leaving, they are forced to look ahead. And that means conversations about the future have to begin now. And they're sort of facing a major conundrum here because who do you hire? Which direction do you take? Do you hire someone to do their best Jim Rutherford Rutherford imitation and that's to move the pieces around as much as possible to try and preserve or get one more run with Crosby and Malkin or do you go out and make that major splash do you rebuild do you trade Evgeny Malkin what 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 do you what uh, I think as much as uh, you know you got to get a good candidate in there and someone who's going to be you know deserve this job and 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 you know sell themselves accordingly but you have to make up your mind of what exactly what you want to what you want to see from your franchise as ownership as the executive team and then pick the candidates gonna, that's going to do that because you know we're at the point where Sidney Crosby's 34 years old I believe or turning 34 this year Evgeny Malkin's a year older we only have so many years where they can be relevant they're still paid very handsomely and they still have a couple years left if you have the right team around them they can they can do some damage in the postseason but they probably can't follow through a 5 year rebuild they probably can't follow through uh, you know, with uh, a situation where they're going out and just trading for everyone and just 
further mortgaging the prospect system. So finding the right balance, I think, is going to be very difficult. And that comes down to who's going to be the successor to Jim Rutherford. And they clearly weren't ready to have those conversations because they didn't want Jim to go. So uh, where this leaves Pittsburgh, uh, just as fascinating as the decision from Rutherford himself. What I want to know is you bring up a really interesting number. Uh, a five-year rebuild. Let's let's say the Pittsburgh Penguins decide, you know what, we're going to go on this rebuild. We're going to get this new general manager. We're going to close the window that we have that's kind of open and say, you know what, we're going to try to move on from some of these guys. Uh, and Evgeny Malkin, of course, makes sense for me as a trade option. I still think he's a good center. I know he's slowed down in the last few years. I still think there are a lot of teams who might still want to potentially maybe with some salary kind of being retained here and there, but I think some teams would jump at the opportunity to have an Evgeny Malkin on their team. Yeah. I can't see a Sidney Crosby getting traded. I can't see it. I can't see it. And no, also not, no, at the same not, time, no. but at the same time, if the Pittsburgh Penguins decide, you know what, we're going to go on this rebuild. It say it takes like three, four, five years. Exactly. Was, was is Are we going to burn Sid's final five years because yeah. we're going to start the rebuild now? That, that's, that's what it. makes everything so interesting. It's so weird. Like, is Sidney Crosby at 38 years old? I have no doubt that Sidney Crosby, the older that he gets into the NHL, uh, throughout all the mileage that he's had, while he wouldn't, while he would, of course, considerably slow down, he would still be established as one of the better NHLers in the game. I have no doubt in my mind, and maybe I'm kind of overshooting it a little bit, but this guy has been so good throughout the majority of his career. He's played through all these different concussions and issues, and he still finds himself as one of the premier players in the NHL. So maybe it's a bit of a fair expectation to feel. But you're right, mm -hmm. to have him in a situation where, kind of like what Mario Lemieux was like near the end of his career when he was bringing along Evgeny Malkin and Sidney Crosby, where, you know, in the twilight of his career, the final years of his career, it's pretty much there to just kind of bring up some of these younger players along. If Sidney Crosby's willing to do that, by all means, but a right. guy who will go through the final years of his career in a rebuild, like, man, that would just be tough to see. But at the same time, I just can't see, unless they do it, like, soon for some reason, but, like, I can't see Pittsburgh being the team uh, to say, like, you know what, we're going to just trade Sidney Crosby, even if the return would be that great. He's a lifer as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you can consciously waste away the final five, six, seven, eight years of Sidney Crosby's career. I don't think you can do that as an organization. I think you have to try and stay competitive but at the same time, you have to balance what the future may look like. And the future, you know, seven, eight years from now for Pittsburgh, it starts soon. I mean, it starts with it starts with uh, drafting well over the next few years and building to that year seven. Because I mentioned five-year plan. Like, it takes a while to get the seeds in place. And so you have to balance whether you're going to trade assets to try and prove the team now and worry about what life looks like after Crosby and if and you also have to worry about what Sidney Crosby wants himself if he sees this as okay we're bringing in this young guy who wants to you know basically burn the roster to the ground and start from scratch why would he want to be involved in that so that's that's as much as reason why this is probably a a red alert in Pittsburgh's front office right now is because they've got to figure out what the next step is now when they probably just wanted to see Jim Rutherford do what he could for the next three to five years and try to preserve or or extract some more cup runs out of the Sidney Crosby core. Uh, I don't know if he saw just, you know, where Pittsburgh was at. I mean, 5-3-1 and one is okay. They got a minus five goal differential. The underlining numbers are okay, but just one regulation win in nine games for the, for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Obviously, one of them came after um, Rutherford had left, but 
I, I just don't see him looking at the roster and thinking, well, this is untenable. I don't want to be here anymore because they can't win. I don't think that happened. It, it certainly was something more. But this Penguins team might already be slipping. And how does that factor into that next decision made? And if you're not going to make that decision because you're not ready to, where does that leave you this year? I, I, I'm not sure this is a good thing for Sidney Crosby for sure. And obviously that core. Uh, but we're going to see you know, what the next shoe to drop is. But uh, it's uh, certainly not ideal circumstances in Pittsburgh. I'll just say this, though. Um, I've noticed a lot of people have, have put up the memes of uh, you know different general managers that could be going up for uh, Pittsburgh. And I say memes because I think Sportsnet put up an original graphic with different names that were mentioned. And a couple of people were just kind of, you know, just clowning the fact that it was kind of like the same old num- names of GMs right, right, kind of right. circling around. Mm-hmm. It would be so cool to see Pittsburgh kind of do something different and and hire someone just off the wall, someone who's heavy into analytics that we had no clue about, uh, you know, a woman there. And, and I know oh, I'm yeah. kind of speaking a bit, you know, beyond the norm of what we expect in, in hockey here. But Pittsburgh has such a glorious opportunity to kind of do something different uh than the norm that what we would normally see in the nhl where we see so many coaches and general managers get recycled and i think a lot of people in the league would look at them pretty favorably for trying something different here and this is already Mm -hmm. an organization that has seen victory i mean look they've won the cups in the last few years they they already have a generational talent in in Sidney crosby what would they have to lose by by doing something different with an incoming hire i'm not going to act like i know every single newfound idea that could work with if they hire somebody new but i would love to see pittsburgh do something different than just say all right let's see if we can call chris jury or 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 tom fitzgerald has also been linked to the job as well but i don't know if that'll happen but i'm just gonna say here it would be cool if they looked in a different direction I think it would be cool, but I also think it would be a lot easier to look in that different direction if the specter of Sidney Crosby wasn't there. You know what I mean? Like you're you're really rolling the you're rolling the dice with one of the greatest players of all time's career, a guy that's going to be along. You know, he's going to be a part of that franchise for the next 30, 40 years, even beyond this. Like this is it, it is such a huge decision, and I agree that might be the way to go. But, you know, just knowing what you know about hockey and, and, and that situation, it's just hard to it's hard to put that together. I could see a scenario where they just wait and they just wait on it, and wait on it, and wait on it and see what happens. Um, but, yeah, it, it, it's uh, it's going to be something certainly to watch over the next. Uh, it, I mean, it's going to I going to say days, weeks, months. It could be years. Uh, it's uh, it's crazy what what the possibilities are there. OK, let's go to uh, a couple trade requests. Two guys that are looking for new possibilities, I guess. Uh, it's not often we get tr- two trade requests in one night, but uh, we we did get that from Darren Ferris, who took advantage of a what was a quiet Saturday night and thought, "Hey, let's get uh, let's get my clients into the spotlight here." So Sam Bennett and Victor Mete, two clients of the aforementioned Ferris, uh, are looking for uh, changes of scenery. They they have requested trades. Uh, whether management is willing to admit it or not, Darren Ferris says these guys want deals. So, um, you know, this isn't Pierre-Luc Dubois, this isn't Patrick Laine, but these are two players that could, you know, uh, while they don't have the scenarios they want with their current teams, they certainly can be of value to other teams. Uh, But I think these are two completely different assets. I mean, Sam Bennett, you know, he's had his opportunities. He's played a lot of games in Calgary. He's been around for a long time. And we've seen that he's, you know, routinely doesn't meet his potential, but routinely we've seen flashes of his potential, namely in the postseason where he's always at his best. So 
I'm a little less sympathetic to Sam Bennett, who just hasn't shown reg- with regularity that he can meet his full potential. But with Victor Mete, the circumstances do really call for a change of scenery for me. I mean, he's been pushed out of the Montreal rotation. Obviously, you know, Kulak, Romanov, Edmondson, they've all stepped in front of him in the rotation. And it's one of the, you know, the top def- defenses in the entire league with the Montreal Canadiens. So, while he's been lapped, that makes sense to move him. That makes sense that he would want to change. He wants to play. He hasn't played at all this year. But with Sam Bennett, he's established himself. And he's also shown that, he's has, that he has more to give. So uh, while they both want trades, I think the Victor Mete uh, trade request certainly holds a little bit more merit. For sure. But here's something I thought of. Because I was just like you a couple of days ago where I thought, well, you know what? If, if, if Victor Mete wants out, that defensive core in Montreal is, is pretty much set as it is. Uh, mm-hmm. Some of the reinforcements they have there. I mentioned Xavier Wallet, who has played in the NHL before he joined the Montreal Canadiens organization, spent a lot of time in the AHL, and he's currently on the AHL roster, but he played some time in the bubble with the Canadians uh, over in the last few months. And I thought, like, you know what? They could be fine if they rely on those two, but what if what if Mark Bergevin doesn't necessarily feel that way? And what if, you know, God forbid, Romanov gets injured or, or Kulak goes down, Victor Mete is the first guy who steps in. This is a guy who's played over 170 NHL games. He started his NHL career essentially playing alongside Shea Weber. And I know the way the roster was constructed at the time kind of dictated that situation for him. But this is a guy who's who's played on different pairings in the NHL with the Montreal Canadiens for better or for worse. He's been used in different situations. The team could still rely on him in some way. And this is a guy who's still 22 years old and still has uh, a, a bit more developing to do this is a guy who's pretty young in his NHL career remember that so uh, while I think that Victor Mete's trade request is very merited he wants to be in a situation where he's playing he wants to be in a situation where he gets a bit more consistency in terms of minutes I don't feel that his opportunity is all the way closed in, in Montreal I just think with the way the defense has been playing the way the team has been playing as a whole it's just a lot harder for him to, to get into the lineup right away, but I don't think it's going to take much before, you know, one guy has to go down or, or the Canadians maybe, you know, God forbid for their franchise, for their franchise and their fan base and whatever, they might yeah. not obviously don't want like a, a losing streak to happen, but when that happens, changes happen. And then Victor Mete slots into the lineup. I don't think this is a guy who's fallen so out of favor with the organization that he's not going to get an opportunity again. I think this is a guy that, uh, Obviously, the, the team would definitely want to still have around in, in some way. So my mind has kind of changed a bit on whether or not Victor Mete uh, should could be in a position where he wants to leave. I mean, the, the word going around that Mark Bergevin went out of his way to be like, hey, no, like I'm like I'm not going to be trading Victor Mete, even though okay. Darren Ferris confirmed that Victor Mete did, in fact, ask for a trade. As for Sam Bennett, uh, you've you put the nail on the head there. This is a guy who has had his opportunities. Uh, he spent a lot of time as a bottom six forward with, the, or I should say, like a middle lineup guy for, yeah. for the Calgary Flames. Uh, I, I don't know what his demand would be at this point i think he's kind of shown what he is i don't think he's necessarily maybe it could be a situation where another team might be like you know what we have another guy who's kind of at the same level we'll do a one for one for him but Mm -hmm. i don't think it's nearly as promising to trade for sam bennett as opposed to victor mete who on top of even though he's a small guy has shown he's quick and has shown he can move the puck and again 22 years old as a defenseman still ways to go in his development 
Okay, you tell me then. Uh, you mentioned, you know, Bergevin uh, not wanting to deal Victor Mete. Is this a tenable situation? I mean, Josh Anderson uh, was their key acquisition. He's represented by Darren Ferris. They negotiated terms on a seven-year contract. Uh, can Bergevin and Darren Ferris work this out? Uh, or, you know, is that only possible if there is an injury and Mete just gets what we want, which is playing time? Uh, do you think Ferris and Bergevin can, can sort of shake this thing down before uh, it, it reaches a boiling point? I mean, time is going to have to tell on that. It's either an injury or, or Romanov has to just kind of hit a rookie wall and just like, you know, kind of fall we'll off. That's that a whole big thing too, because those yeah. three guys were going, we're alternating spots during training camp. Um, I don't know if it could get to a point where it can get particularly bad, but I mean, I've seen Mark Bergevin say that he wasn't going to trade guys before, and lo and behold, he ends up doing it. P.K. Subban obviously right. being the most obvious example of that. So, you know, I, it could totally get to that That, point, that was a different situation, though. He's denying. Very the, different. Yeah, I, I don't want to trade P.K. Subban, but really he right. did. This is, right. you know, coming from a different source. But, yeah, I, I hear your That's point. That's very fair. That's very fair. But, you know, I think a lot of people will still kind of lump that in the same, in the same box anyway because, you know, anyway. All that to say um, – I think Victor Mete, I still think the, the organization still kind of values him in some way. And I think if push comes to shove, if an opportunity comes in, he's going to be the first guy they call to, to, to kind of fill in on defense. But if it gets to a point where, you know, he kind of forces the issue a bit. And that's another thing, too. If Victor Mete was like a bigger star, maybe it's a bit of a, a harder issue because a star could always make a bit more noise and kind of make a situation a bit worse. Right. Victor Mete is a seventh defenseman on this Montreal Canadiens team right now. He doesn't necessarily have the most amount of, of leverage. But, hey, there are teams out there who are probably looking for a defenseman. And if, and if those offers get really good, Mark Bergman might be in a position where he can't really afford to say no. And that's the same situation with Sam Bennett. I mean, he's just a middle six at best forward right now. That's getting paid over $2.5 million. He's going to be a restricted free agent at the end of this year. Uh, but he's earned more money than I think that he's provided value on so far. So he's in a bit of a difficult scenario. I think Mete may be in a better scenario because, you know, we built such a good defense and, and it doesn't look like you're going to get in. You know, you still have value because you probably belong in, in, a, in a normal top six. Uh, but with Sam Bennett, I, I, I don't know if the price matches what he would eventually provide. Um, that was the big news, obviously, uh, on what I mentioned was a quiet Saturday night. But there, there was some noise made by one Connor McDavid, who scored another just brilliant goal. Uh, it would be the greatest goal that like 99% of the player population could ever score. But it wasn't McDavid's best this season. And it wasn't even McDavid's best against the Toronto Maple Leafs because what he did to Morgan Riley last year. Uh, so this was the week of goals. I, I feel a little, I almost feel like, like that that McDavid did was so special and it doesn't move me to the extent it did because like I'm still waiting for like that to happen in an actually big moment I guess I'm a little soured on on everything that involves McDavid right now maybe that's why I'm not looking at it as you know this like amazing thing that happened it was it's Connor McDavid that's what he does though um but it was a week for crazy goals that overtime or that goal that he scored uh was followed up by an overtime goal Sidney Crosby and Alex and Alexander Ovechkin, excuse me, scored OT winners all in like the space of like 20 minutes or whatever it was. Alexi Lafreniere got his first goal. It happened in overtime. It was the week for goals. Is there one that stood out for you the most? Oh, man. I just want to say with Connor McDavid, I hope we don't get to a point where we're bored of this guy. You know, 
I think it's where uh, I found myself last night. I was like, yeah, I've seen that. That was great. No, no. Connor McDavid is a special breed of player. I, I can't think of too many guys, if any guy, who have ever seen skate as fast as he has in the National Hockey League and just literally take my breath away. You know, like when when Sportsnet or TSN has those ISO player cams on the guy and you see them kind of just do their thing. Either they're they're blanking a play in the zone or they're making a zone entry or they're just skating. I could watch videos of Connor McDavid just skating into his own like mm-hmm. for hours on loop because all the time it's just so breathtaking to watch. So to see him go end to end with the puck and score that goal against Toronto the way he did the first one, obviously, of the night. That was incredible. And I, and maybe in the grand scheme of things for a top 10 for him, maybe that's number th- maybe that's number five. Maybe that's number four. That's probably not right. number one. I'm trying to think of number one. It's probably the goal he scored against Columbus. No, not the Morgan, yeah, the Morgan Riley goal. No, actually, the, where, no, the Morgan Riley he, goal. It's the Morgan that was Riley unbelievable. Goal. Morgan Riley still doesn't. The one against Columbus. Did. It was like his return from the injury as yeah, well. Yeah, that was the, his the broken collarbone. That was yeah. that's way up there. Yeah, the, those that's are probably his his top two. But you're right. You're right. Morgan Riley still doesn't know where Connor McDavid went after that move, and like I no. can break that down as best as I can because it's just so amazing. It was just something I've literally was, never seen in a hockey game before. The way he, you know, dummied uh, Riley in in terms of like pretending there was another player coming, but there wasn't anyone else coming. That was it. Was just remarkable. It was beyond creative. And and the fact that he just like he's just. He's just doing a little stride. He's just kind of calm there. And then in one swift motion, boom, he just goes at mock Mm -hmm. speed and then powers to the net. It's one of the most incredible things. So all that to kind of put a bow on it, Connor McDavid, let's not get bored of this guy because he's so good. In terms of the goals that stood out, um, his goal, obviously, uh, the fact that his goal, uh, Sidney Crosby and uh, and, uh, Alexander Ovechkin's overtime winners all happening within the space of a few minutes, I think that's a pretty incredible thing to happen in the National Hockey League. Yep. But I also feel that if you're the NHL, why didn't you stagger all three of those games <laughs> in terms of scheduling? Why couldn't you have Pittsburgh and New York play at like four or something? Why couldn't you have Toronto and Edmonton play at 10, then Boston and Washington? If you're the NHL, if you're Steve Meyer, if you're someone in that front, in that, you know, the office in New York looking at the scheduling of the game, are you like, are you nuts? Like you have all the best players in the world playing at the same time. Come on, don't do that. Um, there's one goal out in Columbus. Um, I don't know why with this player. You, be, you beat me to it, man. You beat me to it. I think Here's I know what you're getting at. Here's the thing. I don't know why, and I'm sorry to this brother, but I always forget his first name. Texas is last name, but I Alexa- never... Alexander Texier? Why do I never remember his first I don't know, name? It's even got this the French spin on it, Julian. Alexander Texier. That's yeah, it. You should, like, be, I should be able to... I, should I be can't do that. that. Yeah. But uh, I won't steal your shine because I know you, you probably have that in mind. But that goal. No, no. Go for it. Go for it. Dude, are you kidding me? Through the five hole, the one. St- oh, man. Here's the thing. When I get really excited over hockey goals like that, you know, I know I can I can be eloquent when I speak sometimes. So when I see stuff like that, I'm I'm doing a lot of the, oh, man. Like, oh, that's so crazy. <laughs> the hand on the head. Like, are you kidding me? That's probably the that's I mean. That's probably the front runner for goal of the year. That's he made the goaltender look like a dummy yeah. with that finish. I mean, that's silly stuff that you just do when you're, you know, out on the ice after practice and just screwing around. And he did it, you know, after I believe it was, you know, a goal hadn't been scored through three rounds of the shootout and he pulled that out. It's just like silly stuff you do and it and it works so perfectly and he did it so smoothly. Uh that was my favorite goal for the week, even against, you know, those three 
legend scoring within the space of 20 minutes or whatever it was. And Alexi Lafreniere scoring his first goal and McDavid doing it again. That Texier goal, man, uh, uh, that Ooh. stuff like that stuff. That's creative stuff. That's new stuff that you wouldn't normally see in a game. That's the stuff that stands out for me. Oh my God. I and just want to add, this. and it makes Julian grab his head. Go I ahead. just want to add this though, man. Like, um, I, I think of this random game from a few weeks back. Uh, I think it was, it was Vancouver, Montreal where Elias Patterson, uh, tried to do a tweener past Carey Price, and Carey Price was barking at him. Man, I don't care that all these opposing teams, when they get dummied on by these sick players with these amazing moves, all these opposing, all these guys are like, oh, you can't be showing up, all these guys. You can't be showing us up. I don't care. As someone who watches hockey, like every, maybe not every night, but, you know, on a more or less regular basis, I want to see more of that stuff. I want to see more creativity, and I want to see. And it doesn't have to come from the Alexander Ovechkins of the world. It can come from an Alexandre Texier as well. I'm all for it. So, to so all these players who are barking at all these guys for trying these cool moves, who cares? It's fun for people like Justin and I. We want to watch that stuff. Oh, you got that name down now, man. You yeah, got I'm the not name down it. now. I'm not going to forget not... it. <laughs> uh, no, you're right. And I think I think your wish is going to be granted. I think this is a slow. I think creativity's taken over this game. Like we're just waiting for Niels Hoaglander to do the Michigan spin behind the net and someone to shove a blocker right into his mouth after he does it, and it might be coming. But there are more Hoaglanders than there are bitter goaltenders that don't want to be stunted on. Uh, it's slow. That takeover is slowly happening, but it's happening creativity is going to win over in the end. We're getting there, Julian. And you got Alexander Texier's name. I don't even want to say it anymore. I don't even want to say it anymore. Alexander Texier. I got there it. it is. I got it, Justin. That takes us into our last topic, and it's the best off-season acquisition. We're only two and a half weeks into the season, but I think we should, you know, it's time to spin a couple hot takes on which player, which acquisition, or whoever has benefited their team the most coming in uh, to start the year. Uh, I'll let you take the floor. I mean, you could go on volume with the Montreal Canadiens. You can go with those two really, uh, I would say, economical ads by the Colorado Avalanche with Taze and Saad. But we're talking about one. Remember, we're talking about one. Is there one that stands out in Montreal? Is there one that stands out in Colorado? Or is the one coming from a different team for you? Man, like I had, you know what? I, I saw this and I thought, you know what? You know, the acquisitions they made in Montreal, they made a whole bunch. I know there's the volume thing, and they've all kind of, at least at the start anyway, they've all kind of worked out well. You mentioned Colorado. They made those ads they made in the offseason. The fact that they have Devin Taze and they added him to their stacked defensive core, it's just mind-boggling to me. That defense in Colorado is going to be good for quite some time. But there's one guy I actually got to watch over the weekend who did a great job, and I know he had like a pair of games where he allowed four goals. But I can't help but feel that this team did a great job in signing him, and I think he's going to be a huge piece for them going forward. And that's Jakob Markstrom in Calgary. I think the fact that Calgary, for for the last little while, was trying to find a stable number one option in net. They, they tried Mike Smith. Uh, they had Cam Talbot. They had uh, David Riddick, who's now backing up Jakob Markstrom. Uh, it's been a while since they've had a solid, dependable number one goaltending option in net. And while I think, uh, you know, the Calgary Flames, obviously, they, they broke a three-game winless streak, uh, and and they, were, they, were, they weren't necessarily playing at their level that they should be playing at. In my eyes, they're a playoff team. And I think Jacob Markstrom, or Jakob Markstrom, excuse me, is a huge key to that. I, I think he's he's been a solid goaltender. He's in an opportunity where 
you know, he doesn't necessarily have a, a proven a a one B behind him that's also trying to fight for spots. He's going to be definitively the guy. I think he is going to when it's all said and done. He's going to probably prove to be the best free agent acquisition of all the ones made, especially with all those goaltenders who were available. It's either him or uh, I'll give a nod to Taylor Hall, who seems to be producing pretty well in Buffalo as well. I know they're not necessarily in a playoff position as of right now, but Buffalo for years has been trying to compete and compete and compete. But the fact that they were the ones at the end of the day to get Taylor Hall on their <laughs> team, that is it's still it still kind of blows my mind a little bit. But if Buffalo is trying to be serious for the first time in quite some time, and Taylor Hall is going to be a huge reason why. Uh, yeah, I, I think I agree with you. Uh, I agree, at least agree with you on Markstrom. I, I don't know what's going to happen with Taylor Hall. I think Buffalo is doing okay to start the year. They're in the mix at least. Uh, but I still think it's maybe more likely that he gets flipped at the deadline because, uh, you know, Buffalo might not be in that position. Uh, but certainly Markstrom, I think, presents to be the most important single off-season acquisition. I mean, Mark Giordano said it last night. He said, when your goalie plays like that, you're not going to lose ever. So, mm -hmm. you know, it, it hasn't been like that every game, but Markstrom certainly has the ability to basically turn a loss into a win. I kind of went the bargain bin route here. I'm not going to lie to you. It's it's not, uh, it, it's more of a small addition. That's maybe, I guess, playing a pretty big role, though. I'm going to go with Carter Verhage of the Florida Panthers. Four goals and six points five games for the Florida Panthers playing on the top line with Alexander Barkov. He was let go by the Tampa Bay lightning and signed a two year deal worth only a million dollars per season. So a million dollars top line, you know, scoring almost every game and scoring over a point per game right now. It helps that you're playing with Barkov, but he's the perfect example of what's so important right now in the NHL, which is to get cheap talent and get cheap talent that could actually play with high paid talent. Uh, and that's exactly what Carter for has provided so far it's got sort of Jonathan Marcheseau vibes. Let's just hope the Florida Panthers don't just give them to the Seattle Kraken just because, you know, they want to keep Alex or the next version of Alex Petrovic. <laughs> that would be another bad decision by the Florida Panthers, but we'll give them a benefit of the doubt. New regime over there. I don't think they're going to make that uh, mistake again, and they'll just keep Gardner Hagee doing what he's doing, which is providing value on a $1 million contract. That's it. You picked, you know, the more safe choice, probably the right choice. I'll go with the guy who's shining right now. But uh, we've reached the end. We've got a lot to talk about next week, I'm sure, because there's a lot of things that are sort of percolating, as I mentioned off the top. Uh, I promise to keep your financial uh, you know, activity uh, off the podcast, offline for next week, though. That's That's my promise to you. Yeah, please do, man. First you come at me for taxes, now you're coming at me for stocks like my brother. Like you can like, tell you can tell what's on my what mind. Eh? I'm just like what are this, we doing? the weight the weight of the financial world is just on my shoulders and I cannot help but, you know, uh let it come through on this podcast, I guess. That's we the bigger problem. I'm just I'm just like I can't what the exact word of it, but I'm just uh pushing all of my issues onto your shoulders that's we haven't even gotten to the point of the podcast where we start fawning over each other and we start praising each other about how good we are we couldn't even get to that because of how you are you know coming at me about stonks maybe maybe that's why i started antagonizing you right off the start so you'd be dissuaded into doing that <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah i mean i think that's probably the end because julian mckenzie has mastered alexander texier's name uh, and now he's just shaking his head, which is which is probably uh, time to go. So we'll leave it there until next podcast, Sunday. Man. It'll be Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, so we'll have to get things done early. Maybe we'll get a prediction out of you. Maybe we won't because, you know, 
people will be probably watching the game instead of listening to our predictions. But that podcast will be available the next Monday, so you can cure your Super Bowl hangover with some good hockey talk, and, and we'll have more topics to discuss then. Until then, Julie. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com And see you next Sunday. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.